Welcome to episode 10 of Blue Jays Happy Hour Live. Uh, we're coming after a yet another Blue Jays win. That seems to be the pattern right now. Um, I guess this one is not all good because of what we're dealing with with uh, Ryu and his continued arm issues, which seemed to be a concern prior to the game and then became a concern during the game. Um, handled a little bit weirdly, I guess, because they let him pitch and then they didn't let him pitch all of a sudden. His velocity was all the way down. Maybe that's not the place to start it. Stoughton, what about this game is going to jump out at you? Yeah, I think, that, I mean, just the fact that uh, there's a lot of good. I mean, like you said, the Ryu stuff, you know, caveat there. But, you know, let's be honest, he's the fifth starter at this point. Um, <laughs> we can, you know, we've... we've we don't gotta, We don't have to run over like uh, how anybody else is doing at the moment, but uh, but yeah, that's obviously not ideal. You don't want that to happen. You don't need too many innings from Stripling, who's going to get a bunch of innings. I think you know piggybacking off Ryu uh, for the time being, anyway. But uh, you know Guerrero getting that slump busting hit, getting the, the home run was great. Matt Chapman looks great. Um, you know the Stripling pitched really nicely there for a couple innings. David Phelps sort of. Uh, did not maybe do the best job uh, uh, in terms of like granular stuff, but uh, uh, certainly got the results. Uh, lots, just lots to like. Just a nice, fun win. Uh, that you know, you're right. Not super, super comfortable, but uh, I think everybody will take it. Yeah, and and you know, you mentioned Stripling there and how he kind of works as a piggyback for you. It's not ideal stylistically. You'd like to have you know a flamethrower come out there and look completely different to Ryu and give the hitter something else to think about stripling isn't really that guy but he was effective tonight a couple of kind of milestones or first in this game Bo Bichette his first game with three walks uh yeah. you'd ask me <laughs> if that was ever going to happen in his career I probably would have said no um so that was it was jarring to see that I think that's the correct word uh, Santiago Espinal hitting the longest home run of his career. It was 407 feet, which is not, you know, not crazy not especially long. long, no. Uh, but, it, but it's long in the context of him. And I think that we, you know, we got maybe a little bit too invested in that Espinal power burst off the top and, you know, with him gaining this muscle and all that jazz. Uh, the reality is he's still not a power hitter. Uh, but uh, this was sort of reaffirmed the fact that, you know, he's not a power hitter, but... He still is a significantly better than power hitter than before, which was not uh, it was not a hard bar to clear. But he's clearing it. It's his career high in home runs tonight with three uh, in a complete <laughs> season. So I think he's going to take it higher than that. I don't know if we're going to get to double digits, but that can be something we can watch as this, as the season goes on. Guerrero Jr. That felt like a big moment, to be honest. Like he's really been struggling. The wrist injury, we don't really know the severity of, but we know it kept him out, but he was able to pinch hit. Uh, Not that that resulted in anything um, over the weekend. And this home run, it just felt like, you know, it was the quintessential Vladdy home run. Like, obviously, any home run is a positive sign, but him just taking that straightaway laser beam to center field, it felt like a bit of a throwback moment considering considering how difficult it's been for him to get extra base hits in sort of the last month or so. Um, you know, add-on run like that doesn't figure into the outcome, but you never know if that's going to be something that is going to be important for him pushing forward. Yeah, and I, honestly, I'd have to eyeball like I kind of, I looked at I looked at where it was in the zone, I, I but I didn't have like the 
you know, the quadrants on, even though they're not quadrants because there's not, but uh, uh, it was was not necessarily, it wasn't in the upper third. I'll say that. Uh, I don't know if it's going to quite count as like his first extra base hit from the lower third of the zone at this point this year. Uh, But that was, that's definitely a thing. And it was, you know, it was, I think 94.5 or 94 point something. Like it wasn't like elite, elite velocity, Uh, but turning that around, we know that's something he could do, but just to see him do that, to get a pitch there and to drive it because you know, we saw we saw a couple in, uh, I think uh, Dan Schulman called it his happy place or something like that or at one point. Uh, there was a key at bat earlier in the game uh, where he definitely missed one uh, that was uh, that, that caught a bit too much of the plate and was uh, uh, was a little bit up. We uh, really felt like, you know, it, that was sort of emblematic of the struggles that he's been having. Um, so, yeah, no, I think it is weird to, to, like, after a game like that where Bichette was good, where Guriel, you know, continues to hit well. Alejandro Kirk looks like a different guy now than when he wasn't getting any extra base hits. Uh, like, like up and down the lineup, all sorts of good stuff. To Danny Jansen. I mean, we don't know if we even, we even mentioned Danny Jansen yet. Uh, turning into Jose Bautista. Um, so, but, but I think you're right that that is an important moment. Yeah, it's interesting because when uh, Guerrero Jr. first came through as a rookie, like I remember I had this weekly column where I'd kind of follow him, like exactly what did he do this week, what are the trends, yada, yada, yada. And so I feel like I was more zeroed in on him then than I've been at any point since. And at that time, that lower quadrant of the zone, like that was really where he hit the ball. That was like where he did all of his damage. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was able, you know, even though he did have those ground ball problems, when he did elevate the ball, when he did get extra base hits, it was often from that bottom third of the zone. So it's been very weird to see him struggle there because at least for my mental image, and maybe I just haven't readjusted it well enough over time, that feels like his happy zone to me because I remember seeing that come up over and over again. Like when he succeeds, this is how he succeeds. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, there was really no reason for kind of big profound doubts about his ability to hit any pitch. Like he's shown us that he's incredible. Um, but that was a weird struggle. And, you know, who's to say it's firmly over, but uh, tonight was an encouraging sign. We have uh, three callers, which is a solid cue here. So I feel like we should get to that. Yeah, we should. Being, being very patient and appreciate that. So we got Adam up first. Thank you so much for calling, Adam. Oh, you may need to unmute. I think it's in the bottom right. Well, we may have, we may have lost hey, that. There we, there we go. All right. Hey, uh, <laughs> sorry, I didn't realize I was calling in. Um, oh, really? <laughs> well, I'm sorry to put you on the spot. You don't have to. <laughs> no, uh, love, love, you, love your guys' work. Thanks a lot. And um, just, I guess, looking forward to the Twin Series, what, how are we feeling? Um I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. <laughs> sure, sure. Thanks, man. I appreciate the appreciate the call. Yeah, the twin series. I mean, we still got the the we got Manoa against uh, Cueto, which is uh, I'm, I'll be up there for that tomorrow. Which I'm, I'm just why we're doing this tonight. And I'm kind of uh, <laughs> I'm excited to see Manoa this year, but I'm also kind of looking forward to seeing Johnny Cueto. I don't know if he's got his weird uh, uh, speaker laden car there. Probably probably not. It's not really how big leaguers travel. But uh, but yeah, then after that, the twin series. I mean, they got a couple of. Uh, Teams that are not great coming up, right? Which is, uh, you know, they're they're in they're in pretty good shape, right? This is uh, this is a good part of the schedule for them. We all knew that the schedule 
have been especially hard on them so far. Um, and so, yeah, they really got to make some hay with this, I think, and, and uh, with this little uh, stretch that they have. And uh, no reason to think that they can't. Yeah, I mean, as Stoughton said, Manoa and Cueto is not one you want to paper over. Like, we all know how enjoyable Manoa can be. Johnny Cueto, you know, whether it's the ambulance full of speakers or just <laughs> the way he pitches, he, you know, he's truly a joy. Um, I like to see those guys kind of transition from, you know, he was in the Cy Young conversation a lot of the time. And uh, he was one of the better pitchers in baseball. And now he's doing, you know, the old man junk ball weird. You know, he did some of the weird shimmying and all that stuff before. But, you know, he's 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 going full crafty, which uh, I like to see it not just be Southpaws who do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like that's type thing. <laughs> yeah. So absolutely. it's good to see Cueto doing that. You know, the Twins, yeah, are they as good as their 30-22 and 22 record or whatever they bring into uh, the series with the Blue Jays? So I guess it'll be slightly different by then. No, I don't, I don't think anyone believes that. They've got some pitching that has performed probably better than you might expect. Uh, you know, they've had some of the stuff with, that they've weirdly had before, which is pitchers who don't seem to have dynamic stuff or strike everyone out, but seem to be strangely effective. And sometimes those kind of guys can be really frustrating for the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays have struck, you know, I'm sure on this podcast and every Blue Jays fan is aware of the existence of Ryan Yarbrough and Ryan Yarbrough types out there. I'm not saying that the Twins exactly have that guy, but, um, you know, they've hit sometimes, you know, the velocity like tonight, Kopech, like sometimes people coming right at them is what's best for them. That's not necessarily what they're going to see out of the Twins staff. That being said, you know, you're hosting a team that you feel like you have a talent gap over. And, you know, as we've talked about, the offense just looks a lot better. The team is rolling. And uh, a lot of these guys are starting to wake up. Yeah, they're taking walks. And they're doing it. They were doing it all without, you know, with Vlad in this slump that we're, I mean, it's too soon to call him to say it's not, he's not in a slump anymore, I don't think. Uh, I do remember like last week or whenever it was, you know, even being like, oh, I'm starting to feel locked in and then hit a home run then and then, you know, continue to not, uh, not look like himself. Uh, speaking of Vlad, while, while we're on it, uh, we got Scotty in the, uh, uh, in the chat. Everybody, please, uh, if you have a question or comment, listen to that, uh, please go ahead and, uh, Drop it in the chat if you'd like. Uh, Scotty says, uh, when I'm watching Vladdy, I often think of David Ortiz from the right-hand side. It seems like Vlad is missing that uh, the swagger and confidence that, that Big Poppy had. And when that comes, uh, look out, it will be here to stay. I would have thought that after last year. But, yeah, no, I, I, I think I, I kind of get the I get the comp. And uh, it is nice to see him happy and, like, getting some of that swagger back, just even with the, the infield hit with the, uh, the the replay and everything, and then, of course, putting one off the batter's eye. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of sort of the swagger and the persona and the stature in the games, you know, there's a bit of a chicken and egg when it comes to team and playoff success with that. Like, there's only a certain level of, you know, that larger-than-lifeness that Vladdy can attain um, until he has some, you know, some of those big moments I would say the national stage, obviously we're in Canada, the international, whatever, North American, MLB-wide stage. Uh, he hasn't really had a chance to claim that yet, and I think that a lot of what we associate with Big Poppy comes from the fact that he got to have those big moments. I assume that Vladdy will at some point. The guy he often reminds me of, and this is not a novel on my part, is Miguel Cabrera, just because he's got sure. that combination of um, the you know the power and the contact 
and the pretending to play third base at times. Um, <laughs> less so now, but yeah, less so, less so lately. Uh, we so that was Scotty. We also have Scott, and and I think Scott may have been waiting for a while too. Yeah, very patient callers, and we appreciate you. Um, so let's get to Scott. Oh, and Scott, you you may be muted as well, and also uh, or accidental. You yeah, know, it may, it may also be an accidental caller, which uh, we we take all we take all kinds. That's fine. All right. Well, while we wait for Scott, uh, we also have the the doctor, Doctor Internet, uh, is uh, is out here, and he uh, he has one specifically for you, Nick, because you mentioned Bo's three walk for, uh, game tonight. Uh, <laughs> he tells us uh, uh, the words of another prominent doctor, uh, Doctor Phil, come to mind. People have the capacity to surprise you. We just need to be open to that surprise. Beautiful. Which uh, I'm really reading in my best rash voice there. And, uh, you know, it applies to a lot of stuff we see at the Blue Jays. Like think of Danny Jansen, for instance. Like the things that he's doing right now uh, did not seem within the realm of possibility to us. (laughs) That he would turn into those Bautista, yeah. A year ago. Um, you know, Teoscar Hernandez ended up doing things that, you know, in our wildest dreams, we probably didn't imagine him being a top 15, 20 hitter for any amount of time. So it is important to remember that. I think Blue Jays fans, because we had Bautista, because we saw Edwin Encarnacion, um, maybe are able to appreciate that a little bit more even than some fan bases. There has been a lot of baseball miracles kicking around. Uh, <laughs> Tay was a guy that, uh, as a guy, I don't know if we'd mentioned him yet either, and, and he had a he had a nice night. Also, it looks like we got Scott. Scott, you you there? You're you're unmuted now. Well, it might be in pocket pocket. Could be. Well, I'll I'll mute him just in case. Uh, <laughs> in Can case you something hear me weird. Guys? Sorry. Oh, then now, well, the mute didn't work, but we can hear you now, man. <laughs> yeah, go go right ahead. Oh, wait. Technology. Okay. Are we there? You're, you're back here. Okay. You're, we got it. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right, Scott, hit. what do you got? Yeah, hit us with your question, man. This would be a good bit, frankly. <laughs> yes. I mean, one of the features of calling, and I'm not sure everyone who's listening knows this, is that anytime you call in, you're going to have a clip of your call that you can then listen to or share or whatever, which is kind of a funny thing. And if you call in a lot, you'll have kind of a log of all the things. I sound like I'm doing an ad read right now. I'm not. What I'm trying to say is that Scott's going to have a very weird call uh, <laughs> that he's going to own for the rest of all time because he'll have us talking over this uh talking about the mute and addressing other questions and he can treasure that forever Oops. um and if we're not going to hear from scott we can go back to the chat uh we got joss the jays fan should the rays make the first uh, not the Rays? should the jays make the first significant trade of the season pounce on ben and swap them for zimmer on the roster and then focus on relievers um yeah, when I first read that, and Josh did clarify it, not saying that's in the trade package, I thought that he was trying to trade Bradley Zimmer for Andrew Benintendi, which would be uh, a difficult ordeal. I think you need some <laughs> yeah. blackmail material to make that happen. Uh, 
you know, Benintendi's been talked about a fair amount. He's a, you know, he's clearly the type of guy who brings some of the things that don't currently exist on those, this roster, at least in a productive form. Um, we've said this so many times before though, you know, it, it is hard to make trades happen right now, especially I think with the expanded playoff field, um, you know, before this podcast, I was kind of going through teams looking at expected sellers kind of in the vein of is the Gabriel Moreno being expendable thing a joke and are there big fish out there? And we can talk about that later. The reality is there's just not a lot of obvious um, sellers. I guess the Royals are among them, but a lot of teams like to hold on to the last minute. They feel like they can get the best price that way. Uh, They can wait for the market to shake out and, Blue Jays fans did see, you know, the Simber and the Richards deals happen last season, but that is the exception, not the rule. Yeah, I, I think that that's, yeah. And I think that maybe you'll see something. I mean, I, I don't think you could expect anything quite as as good as the Simber deal with the Eddie Dickerson and Joe Panic going the other way. They don't have a Joe Panic to really move at this point. I mean, maybe maybe somebody really likes uh, Reynolds Tapia, which... Uh, Honestly, we could talk about him. I don't think that's the most interesting topic right now, but he's uh, you know putting the ball in the air a little bit more. Uh, had a couple of the highest exit velocities in the game. Um, still has like a seventy weighted runs created plus. I'm not trying to defend him, but um, but he's you, a some, dead ball victim, really. I think so. And sometimes you can like you can see it. Sometimes you can see why a team would be like, okay, maybe we can make this guy work. Uh, and it's just it's unfortunately hasn't happened. Um, but it doesn't. It, it just seems less consequential when you know all the guys around him are hitting at this point. So, uh, but yeah, the, I mean, Ben Attendee's a guy. Uh, Nick, I know you wrote down some names when we were like talking about which you know what topics are uh, we're going to talk about tonight. Like there, there are other guys that I think are out there. Um, you know, yeah, I think it's going to be. I, I think I think that Josh is right that you know so a piece like that and then relievers is probably going to be the focus. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, we probably have some time still before I have to think about that. Yeah. I mean, you don't want a situation where, you know, a Tapia is sort of expected to be in the, and I know he's not in the lineup kind of day in day out exactly right now, but especially with the way that Springer takes days off and whatnot, he's in there a lot and he's in there more than you'd want him to be. And there probably are going to be a few outfielders out there at the trade deadline or in the run-up to the trade deadline, that is an area that they can clearly upgrade. Like you said, reliever is so easy. Like There are always relievers out there. There are always teams selling them. A lot of teams specifically sign relievers in the offseason with a mind to trading them at the deadline. Hell, the Blue Jays did that for a while. When for a long time. In, for yeah. in the trough, and that worked pretty well for them. Um, so you're always going to be looking at those relievers. The outfield piece, you know, to make the 2015 comparison, like the Ben Revere guy doesn't have to be a star, can just be, you know, kind of a starting caliber guy who's ideally left-handed and can play some defense. That would be a great piece to have. Benintendi is sort of the best iteration of that. Um, But I think we're going to hear a lot of names in that vein in the next couple of months because it is, you know, it is clearly a need. And the Blue Jays' outfield defense is a bit dicey at times, you know, and Zimmer, you know, you mentioned Zimmer's roster spot. He's done pretty well with fielding. He's fast, but he, you know, he's, he's not justifying it right now. And that's not a five alarm fire. It's not a huge emergency. You can get by with a bench player who's just really not hitting. A lot of teams have that, but in the run up to the playoffs, it is something you want to address. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and yeah, we'll hear, we'll hear the Josh Bells. We'll hear, hear the Ben attendees. We'll hear, we'll, we'll hear all those names. Uh, let's go back to the chat for a second. Cause, because Alan, uh, Alan has a comment. He says, so good to see Vlad hit a ball hard in the past. His ground ball ruts, uh, would have at least had high exit velocity, but not so much this year. And, uh, and he's taking credit. Uh, he's taking Twitter credit for Vlad's home run because Alan did ask a question about Vlad's slump, like literally seconds before that ball was smoked, which was uh, uh, which was a fun moment over there. I, you know, I think he's still hitting the ball pretty hard. Uh, I wouldn't, but I, I know I kind of know what you mean in that it's it's not necessarily. Uh, I don't know if the exit velocities are exactly where we would have thought uh, they would be, but I'd have to actually look at that up. I don't, I'm, I'm trying not to be like I don't know if I agree with that, but I'm not sure I do agree with that. Uh, nonetheless, it is awesome, obviously, to see him uh, like drive that ball the way that that he did against you know a decent pitcher with good velocity and a ball in a spot where he just hasn't done that yet. Which is which is in itself sort of an indictment of of how he's been going, right? Like it's well, that's kind of that's pretty close to middle middle ball. Uh, that was pretty straight. Like he should be crushing that, and, and you know he you, know, uh, you don't want to give him too much credit for doing the thing that he should be able to do all the time, but uh, it is nice to see. Yeah. And yeah, to touch on that exit velo, like this year's percentiles, 96 average, 99 max, although that's kind of a guarantee with him, 96 hard hit rate. Um, to be fair to Alan, I think that he kind of exploded out of the gate in April with probably you know, yeah. top marks across the board, and it has gone down a little bit since then. But I don't see that as sort of a big picture concern. Like I don't think at any point in the season we're thinking, Vlad simply not hitting the bar, ball hard enough. Um, one thing also is just I really sympathize with the inclination to take credit for events as they happen on the field. <laughs> um, I don't tend to tweet it out, but you know I, I spend a lot of the games I watch with my girlfriend at home, and I will often call out predictions for exactly what is going to happen on a particular play uh, or pitch, and uh, you know. I don't tweet them all out. Uh, maybe I should because I could get some credit, but it, it is a very rewarding feeling when you say, I think this could go for a three-run shot, and then uh, and then that happens immediately afterwards. It, it makes you feel very powerful. Very much so. Um, not to, not, not to like, take charge here too much, but I did uh, when I when I put the call out for on Twitter uh, for some questions and let people know we were going live. Uh, I don't want to ignore people who have asked me some questions on Twitter. Uh, one is Mark, who says, uh, I can't stop thinking about Danny, uh, wondering where he could be, who he's with, what he's thinking. Is he thinking of me? Whether he'll ever stop hitting piss missiles someday. Um, probably not. Probably probably just going to keep doing that forever. Uh, that's that's what Bautista did, right? And I, I feel I should stop saying that because it's going to sound even more ridiculous at some point. But, you know, it's been... It's been a calendar year where Danny Jansen has been a power hitter, and you know he's obviously only had like 150 play appearances. I don't even think that many in that over that span. So there's not a ton of data on this, but also, I don't know. Uh, I probably would stop throwing him fastballs, like uh, which Mike Petriello of uh, MLB.com uh, tweeted that in the middle of the game. I think I gave it a retweet or put some snide comment on it, um, where, you know, his year to year, like the number of fastballs he's seeing is way up, which, uh, which could have a connection to the fact that he's been parking the ball over the, uh, uh over the left field wall a lot. Uh, I don't know. I'd love to see it continue. Yeah. I mean, I have a piece on this coming on Friday. I don't like to give everything away, uh, out there, but I did a lot, a little bit of research on sort of catchers, who had a similar so I was kind of taking him from 
uh, when he returned from the IL last year. So this is, I think it's August 31st and the amount of games it's in the thirties. And I'm looking at like how many catchers who are starting in the big leagues today. And, you know, we have some stars out there have had a stretch this good offensively. And there's maybe like one name real, realistically, uh, real, real realistically. Just, yeah. Well, it's actually well, not. Sorry, he sorry. has Manny Grandal. So oh, no, that, we're gonna works, that works away. too. Yeah. That works um, too. It's incredibly rare to see a catcher do what he's done, even for this incredibly small period of time. And I know that is choppy and broken up, and that may make it feel less authentic. But in a way, I feel like that's more impressive. It's not a guy who's mm. hit a groove and just kind of followed it for you know a couple months or something. He seems to find you know he's been on the IL. He's gotten very he's been banged up in various ways. And he keeps finding this form again and again. And that can be really hard for guys. Uh, often, you know, we talked about Teoscar Hernandez and how he came back for an oblique injury and he hasn't been himself largely. And he's been significantly better over the last few games. But often guys take time to find themselves after these injuries, whereas Jansen has injuries, full off seasons, uh, and he keeps coming back to this place where he's drilling, uh, yeah, home runs to left field over and over again. And... It, it is hard to know what the ceiling on this is um, because it's so far-fetched, because it's so different from the power ceiling he's shown before, because we don't see catchers do this, um, because we've watched him be a bad offensive player for you know the vast majority of his career. It is, uh, I think right now you kind of have to be in enjoy the ride mode because I don't think anyone knows when this is going to end or how it's going to level out. But yeah, I like I like you saying that that it's that it's almost more impressive. I I think it maybe is because you know it's not a guy who's just seeing the ball really well for a month. It's uh, and this is something that we talked about with Vlad and I remember we uh, I'm not sure which episode, uh, but but recent one of the recent ones we were talking about his slumping and and you're like well part of the reason that you do think that he can get out of the ground ball rut is that we've seen him get out of the ground ball rut and he's been doing the exact same thing that he was struggling with before. And he knows there's ways to get out of that. And he, you know, and it's just a matter of, you know, getting all the pieces aligned and moving in the right direction. So, um, so yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I, I don't know that the league has had enough time to catch up to how they're going to approach Danny Jansen and that that could, you know, still, uh, <laughs> they could still find a hole in that swing somewhere perhaps, or the fastball thing. But, uh, um, yeah, enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride. It is. I got one more from Twitter here before I move away from there. Just well, just to to take care of everybody's business here. Uh, Noah, who actually wrote a great piece this week uh, about uh, Lord Scurriel and a very subtle move in the batter's box that may have uh, uh, helped him uh, just crowd the plate a little bit less and maybe not maybe not be as tempted to reach for some of those balls on the outside of the plate. I would recommend reading that. You'll see that in a link in a piece that I put up either tonight or tomorrow morning. But Noah asks, are Jays hitters starting to get more comfortable playing with Rob Manfred's balls? And then on a more serious note, uh, what was with Ryu? What's the, what's the issue? What, what do we know about that at this point? And I think the ball one is maybe, maybe you know, while half-joking, I think, you know, the uh, the weather, get, you know, the, you always do a little increase in power in home runs at this time of year. Maybe that's what it is. Who knows? You know, we're going to have to wait for people to, to start cutting up the ball to figure out what, you, you know, if they're using the same balls right now as they were in the start of the year. Uh, so that's all just a giant mess. But it does feel like, obviously, uh, a little bit better, though Tapia Chapman maybe still a little bit snake-bitten and ball-related. 
Yeah, yeah. Chapman is definitely pretty uncomfortable with Manfred's balls at this point, <laughs> oh, uh, aren't we all? which is valid. Uh, no, um, yeah, I think that part of it has been that the offensive outbreak, and I, you know, I'm not looking at the stats here, but it hasn't all been about you know finding ways to clear the wall. Like they are taking more walks. Like Teoscar Hernandez That's been huge, yeah. has as many walks in his last four games as he has in the rest of the season combined. It's four. It's not a huge number, but uh, <laughs> but but that just it kind of goes to show where he's at. You know, Bichette having this game today. Uh, it seems like they're finding the gap a little bit more. It seems like. You know, you know, Espinal had the home run. Vladdy had the home run. That's important. Jansen's doing what he's doing. Obviously, the long ball is going to be a huge part of whatever this team accomplishes offensively. But that hasn't been the entire impetus for what we're seeing here. Like, we're seeing a team, you know, you mentioned Gurriel Jr. His approach has looked, you know, pretty solid uh, in the last few games, even if the results haven't always been there. Uh, he's looked a little bit more in control at the plate, which can be elusive for him. And, you know, Alejandro Kirk really controls his bats uh, particularly well. And, you know, he had those home runs as well. But, uh, you know, he's been making incredible contact. That's kind of been the big thing with him is that he's been incredibly hard to uh, strike out and get pitches past him in the zone. And he takes his walks as well. And this team is going to be more power than approach. But the approach has gotten significantly better uh, in recent weeks. Yeah. And that... uh... That seems to have helped. <laughs> that seems to have helped. I know there's also the re- part of the, the question, and I'll also uh, throw in uh, Ryan here in the in the chat who says uh, they, need, they need to open a roster spot for a dedicated shiatsu massager, uh, masseuse, massagist, I don't know what the proper term is, uh, to work that arm between innings. Because, it, I mean, this is a thing with Ryu, right? I mean, it's... He, I can't claim that I, you know, followed especially closely his uh, tenure with the Dodgers. You know, uh, you know, he had some some great years, but he was definitely a guy where if you look through, they had to back him off a lot and had to, you know, guys in Japan don't don't throw on the same schedule. They don't throw on the five the, the four days of rest every fifth day thing that they do here, as a general rule. And sometimes that's hard to. Uh, uh, to overcome, especially if you're, you know, at the stage of his career where he is and the fragility of his arm and he doesn't do side sessions and all that. Um, uh, but, I mean, it is – seeing the velocity dip, I think, is probably what, you know, um, what would have caused a little bit of alarm because the, 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 the talk before the game was that they cleared him medically to play. Uh, and then when you see that, that's probably not what they wanted to see. Yeah, and, you know, forearm stuff can be tricky. It's often, you know, it starts off as a forearm and then becomes something else. I don't want to be too, um, yeah, dark about it. Who knows exactly what ends up happening here. You you mentioned that he's always seems to be kind of fighting through something, and that's been consistent through his career. And, And at times, he's still put up a relatively high quantity of innings. Like between 2020 and 2021, you know, he gave the Blue Jays a lot of innings. Uh, but it is with this caveat that he seems to be kind of, you know, figuring it out physically and requiring extra rest and having particular starts where he's not quite himself. And, you know, he's getting older and the older you get, the more difficult it is to navigate things like that. And we, you know, we've often talked about how he might age and how it's not as simple as some people might think where, oh, he's a, he's a control and finesse pitcher. So it's going to be absolutely fine. 
that hasn't really been the case um, in part, maybe because it requires more effort for him to even get up to those modest velocities in part because his body's, you know, is breaking down a little bit and his body breaking down was already a little bit of a problem. So, you know, until we get more concrete news, it's hard to give a prognosis for Ryu, but you have to be consistently worried about him physically. And these days you have to be, you know, at least kind of worried about him from a performance standpoint as well. So it's difficult to, you know, it's difficult to trust him in any way, shape or form realistically. It, it that is unfortunately true though. You know, he made, he made some good pitches, which is, you know, not, not enough to, uh, uh, to, to, you know, continue being like this at the, at the big league level. Um, it did get a little bit scary. I remember the the last time, uh, not the last time I saw a game in person, but, uh, I definitely remember the last time I saw Ryu against the White Sox at the Rogers center. And it, uh, uh, it, it fell apart real quickly there. Uh, I think during their little swoon in August of last year, uh, not, not my, not my most enjoyable game to, uh, to return to, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I think, I think that that's, that's just sort of the way it is. And, um, there's going to be nights where he can do it. I think, you know, Nick, you mentioned earlier when we were talking about him, you know, having a flamethrower to be able to come in. Maybe Nate Pearson is that guy. I mean, how many years are we going to say maybe Nate Pearson is that guy to a variety of things? I don't know until he actually shows it. But uh, uh, I don't think the bar the, at the back of the bullpen right now is is all that high for him to clear. Um, Trent Thornton has a job at the moment. So... Yeah, he's uh, warming up in a big spot. Really, really was. Really was. Um, so, you know, another guy who would give them some length would be uh, would be real nice. Um, so maybe that helps uh, address that situation. But yeah, I guess we'll see. You know, I'm sure there's going to be, you know, well, was there even an MRI the last time? I, was was that the one? Or no, that was Springer that didn't get the MRI, I think. And people were kind of like, well, why are you checking that out? Who is another guy who, you know, not necessarily the most – you know, uh, the guy, the, a guy who plays 162 every year. Right. So uh, I'll take a mystery uh, illness over a oh, God. 35 year old forearm any day of the week. <laughs> yes. Oh, absolutely. But I, you know, you see grousing a little bit about Springer and how he, you know, he doesn't play in center field as often as he could. And it's like, well, you know, anything you could do to like prolong whatever breakdown might eventually happen, which I'm not saying is, but, I'm not saying a full-on breakdowns on the horizon. He's still a great player, but uh, uh, I think being proactive there is probably smart. Yeah, and yeah, and Ryu, like you said, you know, just not to be all storm clouds. I did like some of the stuff he did today. I thought yeah. he dropped in the curveball really nicely. Uh, the changeup did seem to have some action on it, even though the velocity was a bit of a problem. Like every time you watch him pitch, you get reminded of what his starts could be, but the margin for error is so slim with him that he can cruise through, you know, eight outs and then have a massive rally because he leaves two pitches up uh, or, you know, he loses a handle on something. It's just, you know, when, when things slip a little bit for Gosman or Manoa, you feel a lot more confident that they're going to be able to reel it back in because hitters are more likely to make mistakes against them. Yeah. And with Ryu, he needs to be the one to avoid mistakes because hitters are very unlikely to make mistakes against him at this point. Yeah, I think that is uh, I think that is well said. Looking at the chat here, we have cynical cyanide. Uh, this is a point that people have made, but I think it's worth touching on uh, again. With the Kikuchi-Gosman combo performing really well, 
while Ray and Matt Semyon are really struggling, Ray less so, but I think Odor hit a home run off him tonight, which is pretty much I believe I saw that, yeah. <laughs> well, yes. Um, yeah, that's got to be conflicting for a lot of Jays folks. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, like, how unbelievable is that? It is – I don't think we actually spend enough time appreciating how well this went for the Blue Jays. Like, the whole story of the offseason was – man, it is so hard to replace a Cy Young winner and a guy who was in the MVP conversation at the same time. And really what you're going to try to do is sort of replace those seasons as best you can and hope the rest of the roster improves, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Gosman has just kind of straight up been the guy that Ray was. Uh, I know his last start wasn't as impressive, but Generally speaking, he's just slotted in at the front of the rotation and been, you know, absolutely dynamite. Obviously, Chapman hasn't sort of risen to Semyon's level, but Semyon has been so bad with the Rangers that that doesn't feel like as much of a problem. And, you know, Semyon recently hit his first home run of the season. Like, that's the kind of level we're talking about. And, you know, he's a great guy and he's a class act. And his season for the Blue Jays is kind of one of the all-time one-and-dones for the franchise. Uh, and you know you don't want to be too glib about him because there's no reason to do that. However, you know these guys who the Blue Jays leaned on last year, they don't look like the same guys. And the Blue Jays made tough decisions, and they weren't sentimental. Not that anyone is concerned that this franchise is going to be overly sentimental, uh, but they weren't. And they found replacements across the board. And you know Kikuchi. Who would you rather have right now, Kikuchi or Mats, over the next few years? Like, that seems pretty clear. Yeah. Uh, with Ray struggling with his velocity, I think you'd rather have Gosman and the pick. Uh, so it it is, again, we're, you know, we're a couple months into the season, and these contracts are largely multi-year contracts. There's room for things to change. But as it stands, uh, you could not have expected a better outcome from these offseason moves. Yeah, for the especially for the first two months of them, I I don't think I don't think Ray you know the Ray didn't by not showing up when the Mariners came to town, uh, really made that easier for the Jays. You know, I think if he was out there accepting a Cy Young award, there might have been a little more uh, uh, sentimentality about about it from the fan base at least. Um, but even so, like just the way the Gosman has been going, like yeah, nobody can complain about that. And it's, it's, it is pretty remarkable because also those two guys, you know, that, that was their previous off season, which they like nailed their two, you know, their biggest moves there, uh, you know, not unassailable. We'll, you know, we'll see how, I mean, I'm, I'm still not worried about Jose Barrios, but, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. That's that, the, that, uh, baseball savant page is pretty ugly right now. Um, a blue out there. A little bit, but uh, but yeah, it's it's really it's pretty remarkable that they had been able to do that, um, and that hopefully they've been able to weather the storm that was early May, and you know they they now uh, once again sort of have a good platform to really you know solidify themselves as a playoff team, which uh, I'm not sure they ever necessarily even fell out of. They must have for a couple of days at some point during that that stretch, but. Uh, but they've always been real close, and, and you know that's a function of the expanded playoffs, of course. But um, but you know they're just they they are they are more there now than they were uh, at any point in the last month, basically. And so uh, there really is an opportunity ahead of them to you know not even start thinking about that, but start thinking about reeling in the stupid Yankees. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think they've passed the Rays. They've got a Sterling plus four run differential right now, <laughs> uh, which in the context of 2022 is fantastic. Um, yeah, we hypothesized last year that there was a possibility that the 2022 Blue Jays would not be as good as the 2021 team, but would be more successful. And that is the road we're kind of walking down right now. Like they're sort of firmly established in the wild card race look very likely to make the playoffs. The difference in the format clearly makes a difference for that. However, you know, this team is on a road to to do more than last year's team did. And it doesn't really matter which team is better. Like the 2016 Blue Jays in an alternate universe could have gone further than the 2015 Blue Jays, even though uh, they were a significantly worse team, you know, basically across the board, maybe with the exception except of the rotation. For, yeah, except for pitcher health, basically, yeah. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, you know, 29 and 20 is a good place to be. I think you would have agreed to that going into the season. Uh, you wouldn't have expected the way it would have come about. You wouldn't have expected this roller coaster. But even very strong teams encounter nasty slumps at some point in the season, maybe with the exception of some, you know, Dodgers teams that are way over 100 wins or the Giants last year. But most teams are mortal and uh, they're going to stumble at a certain point. And there's a decent chance that the Blue Jays' worst stumble of the season is one that we've already seen. Maybe, maybe not, but that's within the realm of possibility. Yeah, which is uh, which is good. That's good for business. That sounds that sounds like a real fun summer coming up. We got a couple more in the chat here. Uh, a couple Joes, for for example, one one Joe asks: Are you expecting Ryu to be shut down for a while and roll with Stripling? Is the contract even movable at this point? Um, I mean, no. no. To the no. second, the second part of that is easy. No. Yeah, no, I uh, can't do that at this point. Um, not that I don't think that they would even entertain the idea, really. Uh, no, I don't know. How, I don't know how they some could... kind of value, and then like, what do you need that payroll money for urgently? You probably don't because you can go and ask for more money from Rogers anyway. Like in in a salary cap league, it's just a different ball game. Like. You know, reuse contract in the NBA would be very valuable because you'd be shifting right. it around in order to bring in someone who makes a lot of money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, in baseball, it's just if you want to get rid of it next year, which you may come to that point, then you just eat it. Yeah, which, yeah, not not ready to think about that. And then uh, 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 Joe, number two, not number two in the list of people I'm reading, but not number two in our hearts, uh, says it's been nice seeing Alejandro Kirk hitting better lately. Uh, his hitting profile is so interesting, and he's way more exciting when he's hitting the ball hard. I uh, can't disagree with that. Um, yeah, it was it was amazing after the two home run game uh, the other night that, that like a ton of people that like simultaneously kind of realized, oh wait, like he's twenty three and has been really good for like a month now. Because uh, it was, you know, it was a narrative, and it was a thing we talked about how the extra base hits weren't falling. But I think even then, like some of the underlying stuff didn't look nearly as bad as what the, you know, the results were. Uh, and he's a really interesting guy. The catcher situation is very interesting. Yeah, I I think that there's a component of this. I'm, when I say aesthetic, you're gonna instantly think about his body because he has a very unusual body. But that's not what I mean. Like the aesthetic of him as a hitter. You know, we talked about how baseball can get a little bit samey because of the way, you know, the way teams interpret player value and the way that incentivizes them to develop certain kinds of players and prioritize certain kinds of players. 
Kirk is not the type of player that you ever draw up hoping to get. Uh, you're not hoping to generate an Alejandro Kirk. He's so different from, you know, basically any other player. Yeah, in terms of his body type and the way he plays defensively, like you won't expect to see that. But also just this guy who doesn't strike out, but manages to walk a ton, uh, even though he doesn't have massive power and he sprays line drives everywhere. Um, you know, he kind of has the profile almost of a, like a leadoff hitter as a, you know, at the plate. slowest guy and, in the league. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, but he's the slowest guy in the league and he's a catcher and, you know, and he's got an advanced approach of the plate, but he's super young and didn't actually get much time in the minor league. Like there's just so much about him that is different. Uh, and that in itself is worth appreciating. You know, we are watching a team, you know, 162 games a year. Uh, it is nice to have players who feel like a breath of a breath of fresh air, and that's exactly what Kirk feels like. And that, yeah, that kind of goes beyond his, yeah, his physicality. And you know, you the picture of him wearing the Bobachette wig is very amusing and whatnot. But that transcends that and goes into his style of play, which is different from. Uh, a huge percentage of the hitters you're seeing today. Yeah, definitely. I mean, well, you, you, were, you were saying similar things about Cueto, for example, right? And I think, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, it is it is much easier to appreciate when, one, the extra base hits are falling for him, or he's hitting the ball harder, or it's actually going over the fence. And two, when it's like they're not dying to string hits together, and it's like, well, there he is out on second base. You still need, you still need two more hits to get him home. Uh, which is not always the case. We saw the other night with the the error, the Lagares error, but um, but can often feel like the case, especially when it's just like when they were in that stretch where we were like, oh, three hits again tonight. Why don't we wrap this up with a call? Because we have minor leaguer in the queue, and you know, I've got a feeling maybe it isn't a pocket dial or an accidental call this time. <laughs> that might be a good note to end it on. We got the the legend on on the on the line. Hello, uh, not a long time listener, but first time caller. Uh, there are uh, reports that the Twins will have uh, quote multiple players unable to play in Toronto. Uh, do you think that if the Blue Jays do make the playoffs, that there would still be unvaccinated players on teams that would travel up here uh, to play in the postseason? That's, I mean, that's a tough question. Are there going to be players who maintain the stance that they want to be unvaccinated for that amount of time? I would assume so. Are the laws going to change around that? Not my area of expertise. Maybe I, you know, I could, I could see it as a society. We're definitely doing a lot more of the pretending COVID doesn't exist business. And that could (laughs) definitely trickle down into our policies. Uh, I do think that the whole idea of players not being able to come up because they're unvaccinated has a, it, it got kind of initial traction in American media, national media. And I feel like that's kind of subsided to a dull roar at this point because it's, you know, it's boring. It's the same thing. <laughs> and because Aaron Judge got, got vaccinated. Basically. Yes. That's a big point too. But if it were come playoff time, the same situation, I feel like you would see the first takes and you would see the, whatever skip bayless's show uh, going and you'd see you know social media would be tons of clips of american talking heads going off on this um which would be you know a combination of annoying and somewhat funny but i think ultimately in the end uh, it would be a bit of a headache 
Yeah. The suggestion is to write your MP and ask them to keep this policy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure my MP can read, but, uh, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We got, we got an election tomorrow. Figure that out first. uh, (laughs) And then, Sort out who you're, I guess that's MPPs. I, I don't yeah. know what everyone is exactly doing. Um, again, not my area, uh, but it'll be interesting to see what happens yeah. down the road. It's a good question. We didn't qu- it didn't quite, because well, we talked about it uh, bef- like before, what it, we were like, well, what is going to, you know, it didn't get, quite get to the Tucker Carlson uh, level, uh, but there's still time if it's still, but also, I don't know. I, I don't know if anybody cares. I don't, I don't think the twins are going to be the team that, uh, but like the Mariners, is anybody going to care enough about, you know, Robbie Ray not being able to pitch in that series? Uh, they should. Uh, primarily Robbie Ray should care about that. Uh, but uh, it, it, when you start moving away from the Yankees and the Red Sox, I think it's probably going to get harder to become part of the conversation in that way. Uh, even it, though I'm sure really for cares. baseball in general, to be honest, yeah. just where baseball is in the American national consciousness. Like you do need to be that marquee team or marquee player to you know to bring Tucker out of his cave, which is what we're all <laughs> really uh, hoping for. Uh, that's a good that's a good place to end it. I think that the less I say about Tucker Carlson from here on out, probably the better. Um, but that was an enjoyable game. Thanks everyone for calling in, whether it was accidental or on purpose. We appreciate you nonetheless. A lot of good action uh, in the chat tonight, and you know it's an exciting run with the Blue Jays right now. And um, you know we're enjoying this, and hope you guys continue to tune in live. And if you don't have time for that, that's absolutely fine. Find us on here on Colin and Apple and Spotify. And I think you guys have done a good job of finding us all over the place. Um, and uh, we will see you on Sunday. Yeah, thanks so much, everybody. Talk to you Sunday.